Long Life Health presents the Talk Thought Podcast. This podcast is now sponsored by The Only Kitchen. The Only Kitchen is a locally based meal prep company in Surrey and Sussex. Their goal is to offer you a service second to none for those that are serious about consistent nutrition, without cutting corners or compromising on the quality of food. They cook, prepare and deliver your selected meals for the week with an assortment of packages to suit your budget and set menus to choose from. Anything that comes out of The Only Kitchen is formulated by their professional chef. Everything that's challenging about maintaining a healthy, exciting, nutritional lifestyle, they take care of for you. All that's left for you to do is eat the food. Now, for me, this is a great idea because I see so many people fall short of the goals they set out to achieve. Whether you're trying to build muscle, lose fat, sort your energy levels out, just generally eat healthier. Most people underestimate the workload it takes for you to be consistent when, you know, Cooking, cleaning, prepping, shopping, thinking about it, what you're going to make, when you're going to have it, do you have the time to make that? You end up falling short and having to go for obviously terrible options that are often locally to you, like either fast food or bad stuff in supermarkets. The best alternative thing to do is outsource it to a company that's going to offer you something not just equally as good as you could do, but better. With really good ingredients, you don't have to think about it, you don't have to shop and really good put-together food from a professional chef. So if you are interested and it sounds like something you want to do, visit facebook.com forward slash The Only Kitchen or alternatively go to instagram.com forward slash The Only Kitchen or go to both. Keep up to date on the social media pages to find out about their latest deals and giveaways. Now let's crack on with the episode. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I'm... um. I've been posting a lot of articles lately, and this is an episode that's really going to verbalise, try and verbalise an idea that I posted on longlifehealth.net, again, another article. Writing for me is a really good way to express myself creatively, but also in a more sophisticated way that I can't really verbalise. It's often difficult to communicate an idea anyway, to try and send what I've got in my head. So I've got an idea in my head, and then to try and transport that to your head and give you the same understanding that I have of it is so difficult. A lot's lost in translation and we're all starting from different points of um, perspective So, and it's, it's subjective so it's difficult to do. With writing I'm able to take my time, pick my words carefully and format it in a way that you can go back and read etc etc. Obviously you can go back on this podcast and listen to me waffle on and repeat myself but writing again is just another way I'm able to communicate that idea in a way I can't using my voice so this is a this is a podcast on my ego article basically which if you go to longlifehealth.net go to the blog what does ego mean is yours a problem so first of all ego like most people when you like I grew up at least thinking the word 
ego. Ego was often used in the sense that he's egotistical or she's egotistical. She thinks highly of herself or he thinks he's the best. And it's uh, associated with arrogance, narcissism and, you know, just often delusion. But ego is a lot more uh, complicated than that, as I explained in the article and I'll explain here. Ego is essentially anything and how you identify yourself. So you can identify yourself in lots of ways. You know, what you know for a start, you know, the information you know, what you feel, where you work, people you admire, where you live, how you look, your abilities or skills, your friends or social groups, people you support, absolutely anything you identify yourself with formulates this sense of identity, a false sense of identity at that. You are, your ego is the collection of that, who you think you are. So for me, an example, I'm Charlie Walker. You've got to separate yourself from the false identity and understand it's more accurate to look at it in a way like, I am something far greater, something far bigger and unexplainable having an experience as Charlie Walker. So Charlie Walker is a formulation and the idea of a person, the ego of a person. And separating yourself from that is when you tend to look into spirituality, you find out what is real, the deeper, more intuitive part of your sense, that feeling, that unexplainable feeling that we get in moment to moment, you know, when you know something's right or you know something isn't right and you just get senses of things that can't really be explained. That's a true, deeper self. And your ego, again, is just a shell around that that is often there just to protect you. So, as I mentioned, anything you identify yourself with, you identify as yourself. And as a defense mechanism, if that somehow gets confronted, we often then defend ourselves. We're forced to defend ourselves. So in my other article, Understanding Human Behaviour and Why We Do Things, I talk about um, self-defence mechanisms. So the obvious ones being, if you fall over, your hands go out in front of you to stop you landing flat on your face. You know, if you, if someone punches, is about to punch you in the face, you know, you shy away and you close your eyes, you turn away. It's all defence mechanism. The less obvious ones and the more subtle ones are still forms of defence. So that uneasy feeling you get if someone, even if someone disagrees with you or offers some sort of constructive criticism, that uneasy feeling is a defense mechanism like, oh, it's confronted your identity, i.e. your ego. It's, It's opposed something you've believed to be true. That is, that feeling is just, you know, you experiencing your ego at work. And it leads to a lot of problems because if you can't separate yourself from your ego and the idea of yourself, as difficult as it is, and it gets easier with practice, and we're brought up in an ego-driven society, especially in Western society, so if, if you feel really, really strongly about something, you're not always just to blame because, again, you're a factor of your environment and everyone else thinking this way and portraying false ideas of what reality actually is makes you feel you have to be a certain way which doesn't help. But you've got to understand your ego will often hold you back and be 
you know, not really the best thing and often a pain in the arse, a pain in the arse. So again, if someone confronts information you know, that could be anything. That could be, put it in sense if you've gone to some sort of credible uh, place, maybe university, and you've studied for years and years and years to get a degree and get some credibility on becoming a doctor. If the reality is some sort of, some subject you've learned about, like medicine, for example, if you've learned that, you know, someone has a pain in their head or someone is depressed, and then your degree, etc., etc., really has taught you to treat that in a certain way, because this is what the degree tells you, but the reality is, if you're offering medication to someone with depression or something like that, you're not getting to the root cause of the issue. You're covering up symptoms and you are essentially making things worse. If you tell that to someone that spent years and years and years identifying themselves with the information they know, that spent a lot of money to get this information, to put them in a social status of, I know, I am the one that knows the information in this field. If you confront that because you've learn alternatively what really does work is to get to the root cause of issues find out you know again what's what's caused that stress what's continuing to chip away and make you feel that way if you say to them that's the best way to go that confronts their information that confronts what they know you know oh no you gotta you gotta have medicine to get rid of this feeling don't get me wrong there's there's place for medication like there's really really severe states where you know things to deal with the root of an issue, it takes time. You know, the root is often deep and you have to dig, you know, you have to dig, you have to find that root, then you have to learn, uh, learn to cut it out. In a literal sense, if you've ever done any fucking gardening, you know, it takes a while to find the root and then digging that root up, it's, a f- it's the hardest part of it. Digging through the soil and that is the easiest stuff. And when you find the root, it's a fucker to chop away at and then you've got to get rid of it. And then roots can sometimes, they can go on for miles. So that's difficult and it takes time. And it's also, it's often, it can be actually, like, I don't know about often or not so often, but it can often, fucking hell, I can't explain this in the best way, but sometimes it is best to offer some sort of substitute, some sort of supplementation, some medication to remove the suffering someone's feeling instantaneously just to put them in a mind frame to start dealing with the issue. So there is a place for medication. Don't get me wrong, it's never one-sided. It's never like black or white, but ultimately you need to get rid of that root. And as I say, if you confront that information to someone who's identified themselves with their degrees and their knowledge, they experience an ego trip where like, no, 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 I know better. And they, they refuse to take on board that information. That's an ego issue. So your ego then is a barrier to the truth. Your ego's stopping you from absorbing information that you possibly know is true. Uh, Or maybe if you're really delusional, you don't know. But the truth is, it is real. That is the reality. You need to get to the root. So your ego can be a a big, big barrier in causing you to self-develop yourself and then in that situation go on to help others. That uneasy feeling, you've got to be able to surpass, and as much as it hurts and stings sometimes, you've got to be able to swallow new information for the better because you will become a better person for that. It's important you don't latch on to the information you know. 
um, in, in severe situations, we see what's known as cognitive dissonance, where someone's so unwilling to see it any other way than what they already know, they fall into a severe state of denial and they'll find irrational excuses to discredit the new information. That's seen a lot. If someone's so sure of an idea, then you confront them with even the most uh, blatant evidence. They'll, they'll find some reason to go, that's not fucking true. How do you know that? Well, there's, there's only one case. They'll find some stupid reason to discredit that information. So again, that's your ego getting in the way. Um, another thing I talk about was sports teams. So although you're not part of a sports team, say, for example, you're into football or soccer, if you're in England, you're into football, um, or soccer if you're in America, sorry, football, the proper word, if you're into that, I see it a lot of time, like people having almost full-blown arguments over whose team's better. You're not in that team. You're, you're, you're only identifying yourself with that team because you support that idea of the team. And often, if someone says, you know, my team's better than yours, no, my team's better, that's a, essentially a battle of egos, your ego's telling you. Deep down, do you honestly give a fuck about the team? Ask yourself truly, do you give a fuck about the team? Maybe you do. But I'd say it's more likely you're latching onto the idea you have of the team. So when someone confronts that, it confronts you, your ego, and it makes you feel uneasy and you have to defend yourself. You know, if you disagree with me, again, like I said on, on the article I posted, let me know. But think about it. Is it the idea of the team you're latching onto? You know, I support this team. This is me. I think they're the best team. I think this. But is there also a part that you deep down knows, you know, you know, say, for example, uh, Rovers. I don't know. Worst person to ask about football. But Rovers are, of course, um, from a credible sense anyway, not a better team than Arsenal are. You've got to ask yourself, are you putting up, are you saying Rovers are a better team than Arsenal are? But you're, you're aware of that sense of denial. That's an obvious sign. You've got some sort of ego issue there. How you look is one of the most common ways we define ourselves. We all want to look a certain way because, again, it makes us feel a certain way, first and foremost, but it's often how you're placed in a social valued sense or how you value yourself socially. And, you know, it's, you see it in children. Like people bully each other for looking differently and not looking a certain way. And the way, again, Western society is, we're chasing ideas that are further moving away from the real sense of reality. Like, you look at absolutely stunning, don't get me wrong, stunning, beautiful, sexy, attractive women in pictures. But the reality, reality is, what does that person look like? When you wake up next to them in the morning with absolutely no makeup on, no Photoshop being done, no etc. etc. We're moving away from the reality of a situation. If you're concerned about how you look, it's often irrational. I understand your appearance has a giant impact on how you feel, and there is some importance to it in some levels, like it creates a first impression. But ultimately, you can like some of the nicest people like may look a certain way you know you might have 
a bald, skinhead, intimidating looking person, but they could be the nicest person. You could see a fighter as being an arsehole, an ego. He's an egotistical man who's going to walk around and think he's uh, tougher than everyone else. But they're often the most humble people you'll meet. How you look is not often the truth. And obviously, extremities can kip in when you, you really are trying to chase uh, a false sense of how you should look through surgery, etc., etc. But if you were stuck on an island by yourself, would it enter your mind what you look like? Probably not. So we do things for the approval of others, which ultimately comforts our ego. We, we surround ourselves with people that secure our own ideas, that encourage our own beliefs, and remove people often, again, on a primitive sense, most people would tend to remove people that confront and disagree with what they say. Because why would you spend yourself with someone that goes, nah, I don't agree with that? When truly, for self-developmental purposes and self-improvement, you should surround yourself with someone that is confronting your beliefs, that makes you think in a certain way. Now, don't get me wrong, it's often a mistake that you then have to believe that. You can't... You, You've got every right to disagree still. You've got every right to disagree back. But you've still got to be open to absorbing different opinions. And if you're not, there's an issue there. There's an ego issue. So again, in terms of um, appearance, I spoke about in my article, when I was in school, I suffered with fairly bad acne. And I used to, I used to you know, for, for obvious reasons, feel a certain way about it. Like, oh, it used to get me down because... You know, like, obviously people in school are going to give you shit about it. And you get comments left, right and centre. But at the end of the day, the reality is my experience of life is being, uh, is from the point of view of through my eyes, what I see. Right? So unless I'm constantly looking in a mirror, like, I'm not really actually seeing myself. My experience is, um, the reality is only yet what I can see in front of me. I can't see my acne, therefore it's, and even if I could, is it really an issue? It's not. There's no real value in being insecure about your acne. Can you do anything about it? Maybe, maybe not. But ultimately, let go. It's just, it's a fucking, it's an idea. Your faults are often the problem, and your faults, again, are a representation of your ego. Like, oh, I'm not as good as I should be. I don't have as smooth skin as they do. Like, why do I have this problem, etc., etc. Your faults go off on a tangent ultimately lead you to suffering. Remove the faults. Focus on what's actually real, the present moment, everything in front of you, you can see. It's not an issue, is it? You're still the same person walking around. It doesn't affect your ability to talk to people. Really, it doesn't, does it? Like, unless, unless you've got such bad spots on your tongue or something that you, it's just affecting your speech, but doesn't affect your ability to communicate with people, to walk around, to feel a certain way, to feel and engage in sporting activities, etc., etc. It has no real value. But the damage comes from your thoughts and the idea of it. You've got to remove that. We're so concerned about what we do look like. And really, it's completely irrelevant. Like, I'm fucking, I'm just over five foot. And... Throughout my life, that's bothered me. I'm thinking, fuck, I'm five foot. It does, like, if you're not small, you won't understand how it does affect you in social situations. You often have to, we all have to compensate in some way to be heard and feel valued and wanted. I've been forced to 
be quite witty and loud and uh, often small man syndrome be quite I wanted to be heard I wanted to be noticed so um, often as well in a social group in a social a peer pressured situation you're the easy target you're uh, in a stature sense the smallest you see it you know we're not that far from fucking monkeys when you actually observe it but you see the small one gets picked on and the biggest one is often the alpha and not like I'm I think me and my friends are a, a bunch of fucking monkeys, but you see the same patterns repeat themselves. I'll often be the easy target. So I've had to, again, through, which I'm grateful for, really, I've had to through getting a lot of shit, being small, being, uh, uh, yeah, smaller than everyone else. I've had to be quicker on my feet, more, um, you know, witty, be smarter, having a more intelligent approach, etc., etc. It's forced me to be some way. And, you know, I walk around, all my friends, for some reason, me being just over five foot, five foot three, to be exact, all my friends seem to be six foot, six foot plus. I'm walking around with them. Must look ridiculous. I'm always looking up. I get neck cramps looking up at people like, fuck me, you're so tall. Like, I feel like I need to walk around or travel around on a hoverboard that brings me at least another foot off the ground. But the reality is, yeah, it has no real impact. And to stress about the fact of how tall I am, which I can't change, is fucking stupid. So it's important to remove your ego, your idea of yourself. And some ways of doing that is get beaten. Your, again, your ego is often a false sense of reality. So if you have an idea of how you... If you walk into a gym or walk into any gym, if you've never done this or had any experience in martial arts and combat and you think you can fight maybe you've had a few street brawls maybe you you can out wrestle some of your friends and you can you can beat up your little brother go into an actual situation thinking you're good walk into an experienced gym go and spar someone that has some experience above you and then you will get you will quickly learn you will get humbled, in other words, you'll quickly learn that you're not as good as you thought you were because you're coming up with the actual reality. If you can't fight, you are, you are fucked. If you think you're strong and you think you can wrestle, go against someone that's even, even a fucking a purple belt in, or a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and get choked out by that person. You therefore come in contact with the real reality is you can't fight. And you realise everything you thought before was a disillusioned reality your ego, you identified yourself as, I can fight, I can do this, because you grew up watching fucking Steven Seagal and Jean-Claude Van Damme, but the reality is, no, you can't. So checking your ego all the time is so important because it keeps you real. Keep it real. Like, as I said about the fighters, you would expect the fighters to walk around thinking they're tough. But the people that are in the gym and practice martial arts and live that lifestyle are some of the most humbled people in the world because... They're constantly checked on a daily basis. It's important to get beaten. And if you're not being beaten, then you see how some, some, you know, some people that absolutely dominate in their fields, like Michael Jordan, for example, showed signs of egotism. Rightly so. No one's beating him. I don't know how he actually felt, but that's an example. If you're not getting beaten, you can get far-fetched with your abilities. But in that sense, the reality was he was better than everyone else. But find ways of checking your ego, basically. 
Um, psychedelic drugs is another thing I mentioned. Psychedelic drugs is the quickest way to shortcut yourself into a different reality. And I'm not going to talk too much longer on this podcast again because it's going off on a bit of a tangent and again I'm waffling. But the idea of yourself is quickly dissolved, i.e. your ego is dissolved, when you take some form of psychedelic drugs. I can only vouch for my experience with my controlled dose of magic mushrooms. And what I essentially felt was, oh, nothing really matters than what's going on right now. Your faults and the idea of insecurities and anxieties are fucking... It's just you're travelling outside the moment that isn't in front of you, that you're actually living. I was sat on a bench and it hit me when I went, I've got nothing to worry about on this bench right now. I knew this before, but I didn't feel it. So I was on a bench and I realised I've got nothing to worry about right now at all in my life. I'm sat here having a trip on magic mushrooms. There's nothing to be concerned about. Whereas maybe in the day, say I was sat on that exact same bench in that same situation, not on a psychedelic drug like magic mushrooms, I could have been worried about what was going on later that day, you know, oh, everything at work, all the stresses, that doesn't really matter. You're portraying a full sense of reality because you're, you're letting your faults dictate your reality. Your ego gets in front of you and it becomes an issue. Dissolve that ego and it is a quick way to shortcut, um, you know, I said it, if you're like... You could spend a lifetime practicing meditation and if you have, you know, this is if you have a stigmatization, if that's even a word, if you have a, a bad opinion about drugs going into it, you know, all drugs are bad, drugs are this, etc. Dennis McKenna said, if you're worried about doing drugs, well, I'm sorry, you are drugs. Drugs only work because they activate chemicals that are already in your body. Of course, there are bad drugs out there, but all drugs aren't the same, just like um, I talk about the source of stuff all the time. Like water isn't just water. You can get water that kills you, and then you can get water that can totally hydrate you and save your life. But at the end of the day, you could have a bad opinion about drugs and go, no, I want to get it naturally. You could spend a lifetime practicing meditation, um, following spiritual quests to gain enlightenment, air quotes, enlightenment. Or you could reach that in half an hour with a, with a dosage of magic mushrooms. Like I said, like I say all the time, you shouldn't rely on drugs, but they can give you that experience for feedback to then try and get as close to that state as you can naturally. But you shouldn't rule out the idea of doing drugs because of what other opinions are. And again, false reality of them. That being said, I'm serious about my self-improvement, etc., etc., And they are powerful, powerful tools and you shouldn't ever do them. I, I would say never do them going in going into it naively or ignorantly. Don't just go, I didn't do it to get fucked up in Amsterdam somewhere. I did it controlled. I felt it was the right time in my life and the right time with everything else. I did it with a friend that was um, experienced with drugs and we had five hours wandering around laughing our heads off experiencing it and it was right for us at the time. And I also controlled it. I only had 1.5 grams. I introduced it um, mildly, again, that's, a, that's a, what's called a, I think it's just a moderate dose, but enough to feel the effects. If you're looking to get into it, basically, go to my article. In fact, I, I left the link to a website. You should research this stuff and look into it, but get the setting right, make sure you're in the right frame of mind, etc., etc. Um, yeah, the, what's, I'm going to mention it now quickly again, just to finish up. 
but you shouldn't confuse your ego with self-esteem. Having self-confidence and self-esteem is a completely different entity to egotism. Your egotism is an idea. Self-esteem is a um, is almost a fuel source to fuel yourself to believe in the fact you need to do things. You want you, you're going to be able to get things done, um, but constantly stay in check with the reality. Self-esteem is believing you can become a champion. Um, starting off some sort of martial arts training, but not you are as good as the champions. If you're not, if that makes sense. So don't confuse. It reminds me of when people used to confuse sense of humour. Only in, this is in school though, but you, you would have a laugh, and you would, you'd get people that go, "Phew, you're so immature." There's there's a separation between sense of humour and immaturity, just like there is with self-esteem and ego. Find out what the difference is. Um, and self-esteem is vital to self-improvement because you need to believe in yourself enough that you can improve. And you would struggle to get anything done. Like an unhealthy ego is represented as a negative response to anything that questions your identity. But self-esteem is confidence on what really is while being able to absorb constructive feedback. That's a quote from what I wrote in the article. But be in tune with that. Understand what that is. And believe in yourself. Don't be afraid to compliment yourself that that. That isn't. That shouldn't again be confused as egotism. Be confident in your abilities and what you have achieved, and share that with people. And then finally, <clears throat> I mentioned this. It's important. I want to talk about this on a completely separate episode in a separate article. But spirituality. It's easy to identify the word spirituality is whatever you may think that is. A monk in some hills meditating singing, or doing some fucking bullshit, or burning incense stinks and wearing crystals and uh, dressing gowns, etc., etc., shaving your head. They're parts of it, but it is not that. Spirituality, for me, is coming to terms with the real reality of things. So like I said, your thoughts can portray a full sense of reality. Meditation, for example channels your attention to what is only happening in the present moment, removing all them thought processes, observing them for what they are when they do come, but bringing your attention back to the present moment. That's the real reality of what's happening. So spirituality is coming, is searching for that experience of what is real. Um, in fact, I worded it in a way in my article I'm going to try and recite now. Notice the similarity in separation of what you think it is and the actual reality of it. Meditating and such things are part and practices of it, but I believe it's ultimately learning to tune yourself into what reality actually is. Reality is complicated to say the least. There are many theories and even more opinions about it with what's become a reoccurring thing, blah, 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 blah. This is what I said and finished off with on my article, which I'll essentially finish this podcast on. Your true reality is nothing but the feelings you experience within the present moment. Spirituality is the awareness that you are not your ego or the full sense of reality it gives you. It's a search to find the truth through practices like meditation. You become at one with the present moment and therefore can experience what true reality feels like so spirituality is comes in many ways shapes and forms of basically finding the truth 
and removing your ego from situations. Ego, it's important to have some, to get some sense of identity to get some stuff done, but constantly check it and find a healthy balance of where it doesn't prevent you from progressing. And, you know, but ultimately all, you, all your life is an experience and an awareness of a feeling. If that feeling is then being compromised as suffering because of your ego, you need to remove that. Remove all suffering and fucking enjoy your life. Anyway, that's ego. If you listened, again, I'd like to hear your feedback. As always, go to longlifehealth.net forward slash reach out to find any link to contact me in any way you feel suits you best. But that's my idea of what my idea, my idea of what ego is and reality, etc., etc. Thanks for listening. Um, go and check out all the stuff I posted recently on my blog because, again, I can communicate stuff more sophisticatedly and it's probably a better way to absorb the information of me waffling on in these podcasts for half an hour. So go to my blog and read some of the articles I've done lately. Either way, enjoy your real life and have fun. Safe.